something a little bit different on this week's Footy Talks podcast. It's July 13th, just before Toronto FC takes on the Montreal Impact in Montreal, and I'm sat across right now from Waking the Red photographer, uh, as well as a variety of other outlets, Tagwell Moyo. We're going to talk some Toronto FC today, we'll talk some Canadian Premier League as well, and that pretty trash World Cup qualifying uh, format that CONCACAF has put out. So I think... Uh, I, th- I don't think we need to hide our opinions on that, but we'll get to those a little bit later on in the show. But Tagla, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me on again. Every time, I'm happy. I'm stoked. <laughs> well, we uh, we have you back on, so that's a that's a good sign. And let's uh, let's start with some Toronto FC, shall we? Considering um, a little bit later here, we will watch them take on the Montreal Impact and. Um, a pretty exciting week for Toronto FC. I mean, it's it's been quiet for a little bit. Obviously, they were away with the Gold Cup, which meant a lot of their players were away, and kind of the focus wasn't as much on Toronto FC in the in the last little bit. But although, let uh, me cut you off there. Yeah, my boy Liam Fraser killed it. He, he killed did it. have a really good uh, uh, a really good couple games, and and that's something we'll talk about a little bit later too about uh, kind of the the roster itself and and where it goes from here now that we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse from Liam and a couple of other players who were very solid while some of the starters or at least starters at the time were away um but yeah like I said you know gold cup goes by um and I think a lot of Toronto FC count uh, fans have had a date circled a little bit earlier in in this month in their calendar and that's July 7th when we knew Omar Gonzalez was going to finally be a Toronto FC player when we knew the window was going to open and uh, another big signing this week, a new one, that being Erickson Gallardo uh, from Venezuelan club Zamora. Three titles with that club. Um, he's played in the Copa Libertadores as well, which is like the highest level um, in South America in terms of a, a continental tournament. Uh, he just got his first cap as well last month for Venezuelan national team. So uh, t- at 22, I mean, <laughs> if you looked at the reports, it was anywhere between 26 and uh, 22. Yeah. Uh, literally every website we went to when we were uh, preparing the article for him had something a little bit different, but uh, 22 is his age. Uh, I mean, I obviously don't expect you to know much about the player, but um, what, do you, what could he potentially bring as, as a wide threat for Toronto FC, do you think? I mean, looking at my advanced scouting right now, all my notes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, I think, we, as we were talking about earlier today, I think it's just his pace. Um, he seems extremely techy from the minimal highlights that I've been able to see. Uh, so I think it's going to be exciting. And if he can come in and just tear up the league really, really quickly one time, it'll be a good look for um, for TFC, and maybe it can even. Not that, like, I don't want him to come back, but can silence that, bring Seba back, kind of. If you can have someone that adds to our attacking power, I feel like it'll it'll be good. It's And it's a, it's a lot to put on him, but I, I feel like it's it's possible. Yeah, that's certainly something that they've been missing, is kind of that secondary attacking player. And not to downplay what Schaffelberg has done in the past couple of games, but it's... You know, it hasn't been anything super revolutionary. It's mm-hmm. been, I mean, the pace is one thing, but yeah. it's been pretty simple. He's been very direct. He's been giving them that wide option that, quite frankly, they really haven't had throughout this season. So if you have a guy like Gallardo who comes in and, and you know, is a natural yeah. in that position, it, it kind of changes And he has things. experience. Like, he has 117, I think, 117, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, but 117 <laughs> professional 
um, uh, games. So mm-hmm. that's a lot more. Like Shaft, he's been he's been killing it. Like I I watched him at the um, a USL game at at the training grounds, and he was by far better than most of the players there. Um, but he is still a little bit one dimensional there at times. You you watch him and and he's always looking to cross. Sometimes he's yeah. like when he has the opportunity where to take his touch, find that space and shoot. There's times where I see him just in his brain. It's just cross, 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 cross. So I I, I think with Gallardo and all of his experience, uh, experience quote unquote shout out to Wikipedia. It'll be <laughs> it'll be needed and 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 helpful. Yeah, it certainly will. And the other thing, uh, from, from the sounds of things, he can play either side as well, which will help out too because you can have Deleon on the right side if you want, or you can switch him over to the right side and have Schaffelberg in as well because considering Schaffelberg's recent performances, I think it's it's pretty difficult to not at least give him a couple more minutes here as, as the main guys come back, obviously. but Who do you, you think is going to really take a cut from all of this? Like, like what do you think are going to be like the major changes? Because I'm always curious to hear your... It's tough to say. I mean, I would assume a lot of the guys just come back in and and, and get playing time right away. I mean, Josie's obviously going to go back in up top. And he's well-rested, too. Yeah. Like, he played, but he didn't... Yeah, he didn't play all the minutes. That's Mm -hmm. a good point. Um, Obviously, Pozuelo's been their their kind of false nine for the last little bit, so... Hopefully, he doesn't tire out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too, but... Load management? I mean, yeah, maybe. (laughs) You can can kind of, uh, I guess limit Pozuelo's minutes a little bit if you want to considering now you have more options in the midfield uh the main thing well why don't we talk about this now I'm very interested to see what they do with Liam Frazier now because Oliver Platt and I were talking on the podcast either last week or a couple weeks ago about how you really can't go back to having him be a, a bit player he clearly needs you know pretty significant minutes here with Toronto FC and he plays the position where you know, the main man with Toronto FC, the captain, and, and the guy who's most consistently on the field plays. So uh, that, that's going to be interesting to see. You know, do you switch up the formation and try and uh, put them both together, which I honestly think is something that potentially we could see because Bradley may be slowing down a little bit. I know he likes to hunt, and that would make Liam Frazier's position a little bit more difficult, and you'd have to kind of stay in his spot. But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at that midfield. What do you... What are you kind of thinking towards there? I th- I think this is this could be like a, a you you look at the schedule and you see all right which are the big games and mm-hmm. yeah you'll put you'll put Bradley in there so for games like um, the Montreal when we're playing MTL like today you yeah. you, you start you start um, Bradley because games like those games like against Atlanta we have a game with uh, the Red Bull coming up mm-hmm. those are games where it's it's high intensity. And you need someone like Michael Bradley to kind of be that guy. But at the same time, um, I was texting you when we were watching the uh, Gold Cup game, the final versus uh, Mexico, and Bradley just looked a shade of himself a few times. He was he when, slowed down a bit for yeah, sure. Yeah, when Mexico was pressing, Bradley would just pass it right, right back to right back to them. He wouldn't be his, his normal where he'd be able to pick out a winger or or just like dribble through a bit. So. I think it's going to be interesting to even even see maybe Bradley coming off in the second half some games uh, and giving Liam that, that time because Liam does need the minutes and he's proven like even last year like the homegrown thing the homegrown right. game that was kind of his coming out and he's, he just continued to to be he, he plays and you're like oh is he going to be is he going to be good enough and every time almost every time it's like yeah 
He is. So it's, it's just giving him his reps, I think. That's why I wonder if uh, you mentioned the Gold Cup game, if, if you almost want someone there next to Bradley where he can kind of have that outlet option because Liam Frazier is so good at that, kind of finding that space in the midfield where if a player needs an out ball, Liam Frazier is always just too there. slow, though. Bradley, like, where, like, what, what, what would the formation be? Would it, like, Brad, like, there's... Well, it'd be 4-2-3-1, probably. And then uh, it's it's difficult then because what do you do with Osorio? What do you exactly. do with... It's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. And obviously, we'll, we'll see tonight to, against the Montreal Impact where they where they start here. Um, so certainly, uh, certainly some decisions to be made there. Let's talk about another player that we both, uh, I think, definitely like as a person. Oh, yeah. That's Jordan Hamilton. Um, he was Toronto's traded this young. week. Yeah. <laughs> He's been with the well, club since, uh, since 2014. Um, traded for Patrick Mullins, uh, 27-year-old, kind of an MLS journeyman. I think they like his flexibility a little bit more. He can play out wide. He can play in the middle. He can play as part of a two. They, they just think that Maybe he'll bring a little bit more, but uh, it seemed like a pretty big price to pay. I mean, it was Hamilton plus an international spot, plus the right to refusal for a player that we're not sure who it is. Um, there's been some people kind of half speculating this, Javinko, but I could not see him going to Columbus, but who knows? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Gio's not going to Columbus. He, <laughs> yeah, he that, took the test going and getting the, the Saudi money. Yeah, I that, don't think he's going to try and go to Columbus. I, I think that was... Uh, yeah, that was kind of a, yeah. a pie-in-the-sky argument. But uh, the other thing was 50K in TAM. So it, it seems like a reasonably big deal for someone in Mullins who, uh, you know... He's is, got zero is, goals this year. Yeah, he's kind <laughs> of a dime-a-dozen striker in MLS. I mean, he does have MLS experience, so he'll be helpful, and he's a, a decently hard worker. But uh, it, it did strike me as a bit of a bizarre trade. But I think the main kind of focus coming out of this is Jordan Hamilton. He's going to a club with a president of Tim Bezbachenko, who obviously has been well around Toronto FC for years and, and knows the player well. Honestly, I think it really was time for a fresh start because it just wasn't taking off here. It never was. There could be a variety of reasons for that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's I, I think it's good for the player that I, he gets a new opportunity. I, I don't think he was given, like, the... He wasn't given his enough... I, I don't know if it's enough chances, but there'd be times where... Io would start over him or, or, or Boyd and there'd be he, he, he had been scoring especially in the beginning of the season he was mm-hmm. scoring for us and then the next game he wouldn't be starting so for me I I, I don't really like this trade because it's like we we never gave him the opportunity especially this year like you heard him when he scored that goal on his birthday and he mm-hmm. when have you heard him talk about like oh I'm, I'm more mature like now like he was talking like football means something to him yeah. now, and you could tell, but he never was really getting the opportunities enough to show it, it. He'd be starting, and then he'd get subbed off like in the 60th minute. It's like no, let him let him go and and build. But like I'm an I'm an armchair athlete, as as I'm saying this right now. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it's uh, bigger and better things for him. Uh, this can maybe help launch his career get him back on the national team, which will be hard, but um, we'll see. It's kind of tough because it did seem like whenever they did give him an extended look, like whenever there was really an opportunity for him to kind of put his foothold on the second striker position behind Josie Altidore or even, you know, maybe a starting position as well, he he really did seem to struggle with those opportunities. I mean, you, 
it just seemed like every time you gave him like a, a, the second start after a great performance or the next game, he just he didn't seem to be able to ever find that consistency. And that's something that's something Greg Vanny's talked about. He'd rather a player. I think that that is a 7 out of 10 every game, which is something Mullins can probably give you than someone who fluctuates between a 9 and like a 4. Um, yes. Which I think is something... It's it's something that a lot of strikers bring, but it, it, certainly, uh, it certainly could be Hamilton. He could disappear pretty quickly in games. So. That's true. Like I said, we'll see what happens when uh, when he moves to Columbus, and that's, that's certainly going to give... Um, you know, it's, it's not, not really a... A matchup I consider a rivalry, but at the very least, it's more intriguing now that Timbas Bachenko's there as well as uh, Jordan Hamilton. Um, let's let's talk now. There's there's 15 games left in the season for Toronto FC. Um, you know, it's it's about the midway point in the season, a little past. What do we expect now? What do we think that this team can can accomplish in the second half of the season? Because obviously now they've brought in some more players. It it does seem like they're still going to make one additional TAM signing. Let's actually start with that. Where where do you think this team could still use help now that we have Gallardo in here as a as a winger? We have another center back in Omar Gonzalez. I don't think you're bringing in no, any help at center need, back. There's, don't need any there's a lot of players backs. there. We are, we are, we are um, there. But do you look at potentially a right back position where you know Larea has started to do well, but it definitely isn't a natural right back in the sense of the the defensive side of the ball? Do you look at a second striker? I know they did bring in Mullins just now, but I'm, Boyd. you know, yeah, Boyd's, uh, Boyd certainly hasn't looked up to, to task there. Where, where would you kind of, um, think this team needs some reinforcements? Cause evidently they, they do still have the money to do so if they want to. I think we need a, another midfielder, central midfielder mm-hmm. to someone to, to take some, take some time off of the guys like Oso and, Pozuelo, who play a lot, like also yeah. played the gold. So cup. you mean a, a more attacking, attacking, yeah, sorry, attacking-minded yeah. mi- midfielder, because Oso has played a lot. Yeah, um, he's played the gold cup. He played almost every game except for the game that we he came he came off at the gold cup. He came on at half after the half against Mexico mm-hmm. when we he's played been in the group well stage. Recently. Yeah, and he's been injured. And then pozuelo has been playing since who knows. Uh, for a long time with because he, when he came from his European team yeah he'd already played he'd the already been season, playing yeah. so he hasn't had a break mm-hmm. so it would be good to get someone that can just give them that time off because who who do we have that can really like replace those like not replace those guys but give them a night off right now like you you potentially have Jay Chapman but they don't seem to trust they him, don't trust him for some reason um very much so yeah you're right i think that's i think that's definitely a position you can look at cuz those guys are going to get tired people are going to game plan for them in the playoffs so you want yeah. them to have their legs under them you want them to have have time and you want them you want to be able to Bring another attacker on oh, as sure. well. Yeah, if you need a goal mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I, I'd certainly look at the right back position as well. I do mm-hmm. think I agree with that. Uh, again, I I really have liked what we've seen recently from Richie Larea. It's it's kind of similar to Schaffelberg, although I think he has a little more about him in the sense that he's one of the only players on this team who can beat guys. He's been pretty consistently going by players recently, which has mm-hmm. again opened up something for the the rest of the players on the team. But um, you just wonder if you want to, you know. Again, they, they haven't ever really put, replaced Stephen Betashore in terms of that truly defensive right back. And I know they have Aro there as well, who's been out for a while with injury. But 
it, it just doesn't seem like they've they have a full solution there. So I wonder if you look at an MLS centric right back there. Um, although I guess they have the targeted allocation money, so mm-hmm. it probably make more sense to bring someone else from outside the league. But we'll we'll see what they do in the second half of the season. And um, yeah, certainly uh, certainly going to be very intriguing starting today with the Montreal match in terms of. Uh, where things go, things go from here. Let's talk about Montreal because they were in town, uh, you know, earlier this week, Wednesday. not to take on Toronto FC. They were in town to take on York Nine for the first time ever, uh, the first ever meeting between a Canadian Premier League side and an MLS side. You were at that match. I mean, uh, even on you know TV One Soccer, the uh, the atmosphere looked incredible. It really did feel like something special. Um, it was obviously what was a special day of soccer in Canada. That. That 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 environment, I was so I was so happy to see that because I've been to a few York Nine games where mm-hmm. there you can count the amount of fans <laughs> that yeah. were there. So it was really cool to see uh, people come out and and people will people will come back after that game. Mm-hmm. People will come back yeah, and watch York game. Nine after that game. That's that's the beauty with it. And it, you could tell that Montreal was kind of sitting back and they were kind of content with going with the draw or, or not really trying to force the issue there. Uh, they, they, they were saying how the pitch was, wasn't the best, but I think they were just like, they were content with, with, with having a chance to win it at home. Right. But at the same time, York looked very good. They mm-hmm. were, they, they were, they were playing well. Ryan Telfair was the best player on the field when he wanted to be at times in that mm-hmm. game. That goal His was goal incredible. was goal of the year mm-hmm. um, in the Can- Canadian Premier League. I'm joking. Maybe. Maybe. I haven't, I haven't watched that much, like mm-hmm. a lot of it, but I think it would... I think, I think it was crazy. It was, he, he banged it in. But yeah, yeah, it was good to see. And it's just good for the... It's good for Canadian soccer. That, that's what I got the most out of. Because you see kids there and they were able to come down and they were able to watch like two teams from Canada play. Right. And that makes, that makes you want to play. That makes you want to go out and play, especially when you're younger. You look at the, the entirety of the three match days, obviously, uh, Cavalry nil-nil with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and then Ottawa Fury, they beat Halifax 3-2, Heart, but it was, yeah. it was pretty close. It was, it was right at the end. I was impressed with the Canadian Premier League side. They, like held, it, it, they held their own. It wasn't just the scoreline. I mean, you could see a club, you know, nicking a nil-nil at home against one of these MLS sides that maybe weren't playing their top top sides, but Vancouver were probably playing their best starting 11. Montreal didn't necessarily have a bad one. I mean, it clearly wasn't their best starting 11, but it wasn't, you know, ridiculously far off in the way we've seen, you know, perhaps Toronto FC or even some of these sides travel to to USL grounds before. So it was a pretty good commercial for the league, and that's kind of what you want. You know, ideally, it it would be incredible if you got one of the teams through to the next round, but... uh, realistically you know if you can keep it close and and show the caliber of this league is is that, pretty yeah. solid and yeah i mean that's that's, that's the important making sure making sure it wasn't a blow like no team got blown out that's the thing and and each team held their own yeah for sure and uh that's uh that's that's pretty exciting going forward and and kind of gives this league both some legitimacy and some momentum as you said now people have been to York nine games and, and there's something to get excited about. They, they can know the players now they can see that there's a good atmosphere and hopefully, hopefully that carries over and, and does so with the other sides as well. I know Halifax has, has been pretty awesome for throughout this, uh, throughout this yeah. season. They're, they're one of the most exciting clubs in, in the league in terms of, 
uh, what's going on off the field there. Um, let's move on now to talking about uh, the aforementioned uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying format that was announced this week that, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's just get into it. Uh, so basically, the top six ranked as of June 2020 now in CONCACAF go on to the hex. They, they immediately go to the final round. Uh, the top three teams from that group, once they once they've played their home in a ways, uh, will be given automatic World Cup spots. The fourth team will play the winner of the remaining teams in Concacaf, seven to twenty-five in the region in terms of rankings. Canada currently sits eight for reference. Uh, basically, those teams will be divided into groups. Then they'll play home and away quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And uh, the winner of them, of course, then faces that fourth place team. The winner of that goes on to place, um, face the intercontinental opponent, which is yet to be drawn. But basically at this point, that means uh, the, the top six, uh, you know, it's, it's a 50% chance you get to uh, a World Cup or even higher. And then the remaining seven to 35, as we mentioned, you have like a, like a 0.25% spot that you're playing for which is pretty uh pretty brutal i mean in, t- in terms of we've seen all over the world they're kind of opening up their their qualifying yeah. processes and and concacaf has very much done a process that seems to really help out their their biggest uh earners and their big top uh you know the the two heavyweight teams in mexico and the united states it yeah it's, i saw that and it was very frustrating because it's like it was catering directly to mexico and the u.s they're basically like saying we don't care about like, yeah. they don't they don't care about anybody else aside from like Mexico United States oh and we'll do like the third because we'll just sprinkle that in so they don't say people mm-hmm. can't get angry so it was, it was frustrating but it's also a good challenge it's 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 something that and especially with this Canadian team I feel like it's something that they want they 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 enjoy they they want to prove people um, like you were saying we've never heard these guys talking like Canadian soccer players talking about how they want to go on and how they want to like they're they're going to win. Mm-hmm. How um and uh what was the two strikers how one one dude was one guy was like he only has more David goals Cavallini. than Yeah, Cavallini was like they only has more goals because he's played more. Like that's yeah. that's that's what you want to hear. So I feel like the the atmosphere in the in the Canadian dressing room, they're looking at this and they're like, "All right, let's prove them wrong." Yeah. And I think that's what they're that's how the, it should be looked at. It sucks. But we can't, we can't really do anything about it. Yeah, the issue being Canada probably going to have to go through that second uh, mentioned thing because eighth ranked currently, they they might move up a spot probably past El Salvador based on the rankings from the Gold Cup. But realistically, a lot of people have been doing the math. It's almost impossible for Canada to qu- climb into that top six before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and what's disappointing about that in some ways is is not just the qualifying process itself which obviously would be a lot easier if Canada were in the hex but it, it also means you know they don't necessarily get those opportunities to go down to Azteca to you know San Pedro Sula again as much as I very much do not want to ever see a Canadian men's national team play down there uh, but those sort of like big heavyweight venues in CONCACAF that they're going to uh, eventually have to start winning in if they're going to have sustained success in the region so that, that's a little disappointing. I mean, it, uh, don't get me wrong. Trips to Havana, trips to, uh, you know, some of these places are going to be... Top class pitches. We're yeah, gonna be yeah, exactly, yeah. Class. Oh, yeah, you, you're getting the, the smoothest crab grass around. Oh. <laughs> but, um, 
Yes, the, the, I, I think it's it kind of takes away some of those those big marquee opportunities for Canada. And again, we saw we kind of saw the preparation in terms of when they played some of these sides and leading into the Gold Cup. I I don't think it helped them in, in the least. No. Like, like it sucks. It really does. But I'm just excited to see what they do. To like, I I was very I was very angry and like in the in the in our Slack as well. It was topic of conversation. But mm-hmm. at this point, we just got to roll with it. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, Concaf has made changes before, but it doesn't seem like this uh, this close to they're they're yeah. going to change their format at all. So. Uh, I mean, we still do have those Nations League games to look forward to for I'm, Canada. I'm and now, now they do seem like they, they will have some more importance in the sense that, you know, it's not, it's it's statistically very improbable, but it's not impossible that Canada could climb into that top six if they could somehow sweep this group and uh, get some really good results in the in the semifinal and final of this uh, Nations League format, which again, I... Uh, doesn't seem super likely, especially playing a United States side that's coming off a CONCACAF Gold Cup final, but uh, you never know with with the talent that this Canadian group has. Um, let's wrap up with just uh, your Gold Cup experiences. You were down at the Rose Bowl for uh, Mexico against uh, Cuba and then Canada and Martinique. Yeah. Um, so what was that like? I mean, that, that especially I would assume for the second matchup featuring Mexico, that must've been a, a pretty incredible experience at, you know, a, a top venue, obviously not necessarily top soccer venue, but a top sporting venue yeah. in North America and the top team in the region. It was, it was amazing from like start to finish. I, the, the Canada game was at 4 PM, uh, LA time. So I showed up at about one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just cause I was like, it's a huge stadium. I don't know, like lay of the land. I wanted to be able to go in and kind of figure thing out, figure things out. So I yeah. went at one. Um, and by that time, the Mexico fans had already been drinking since 11. I was, I'd been told the tailgate, <laughs> there was at least, Getting I'd say, going. yeah, there, uh, there was at least like 10,000 like Mexico fans mm-hmm. just tailgating, partying. And it was something really exciting to see and something that I was like, if we can have one day get to this, like Canada, it would be it would be great. Um, inside the stadium, the atmosphere was also really cool. Um, it was it was um, after right after we had won the the Raptors won um, the NBA championship. Right. So they were like we the North chants from like the Mexico fans. That's super sick. So it was really cool to see like Mexico fans cheering on us and and America like in 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 the US. So it was exciting. And then by the time it was like 60th minute in the Canada game, it was the stadium was full of Mexico fans. There was mm-hmm. about I think it was 70,000 60,000 60 something thousand fans there and it was it was wild. The Mexico fans, they love their soccer. Anytime they would score a goal, it doesn't matter how much alcohol is in their cups. They were they were just throwing it up. So <laughs> it was cool to see just like soccer being at the forefront of like a community and a culture. You go to like BMO sometimes mm-hmm. and you can tell that like and it and, and I I like that like people are getting into soccer. Yeah. But like the environment isn't always there. Whereas at this Mexico game, everybody went because they were in love with the team. They were in mm-hmm. love with the sport, um, which is really cool. Yeah, I guess that's one benefit, one kind of extra benefit for playing in Mexico's group. Not only did they get to play the Mexican national team, they got at least three games where 
you know, in, in a lot of those moments. Every the, the game that Mexico was, played in was a home game. Yeah, exactly. The crowd was, you know, at that level that they're going to need to, to get to if they're going to win in these big games. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's you know, important going forward for the team and, and hopefully something they can build off of. But uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap the, this week's podcast up there. Tagua, thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Shout out to all the ultras. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody.